Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 290 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is Chris, your host here in Austin, Texas. Excited to be back with you today and excited about the impending start, the official unofficial kickoff of fall marathons comes with the Berlin Marathon this coming weekend, which we've got about 29 rogue athletes that'll be there competing, which is exciting for us as a community, but also I know a lot of you will be there. Plus this race signifies basically the de facto start to the fall marathon season with London, Chicago, New York, Twin Cities, all the Marine Corps and all the other races here to come in the fall. So it's exciting both from marathon perspective, but also often fall brings back some half marathons as well. And I know some of you are racing that distance. So it's just a fun time to be in training for a big race. And this weekend kind of kicks it all off. So I wanted to talk today about carb loading, carb loading and answer the age old question, should I carb load or should I not carb load? And if so, how? And I think my answer to this will be a little bit different than perhaps the prevailing wisdom. So I think you'll be curious to know what, I, what I'm going to tell you today on this topic. I'm also going to be talking at the end about few, a few other things you should be thinking about as you prep for fall races to come as you're honing in on that final fitness before we get there, a couple of quick notes. First of all, speaking of Berlin, I think it's going to be an exciting race. It looks like, knock on wood, that the weather is going to be perfect for fast races for all of those that are in the main field, but certainly for those that are in the elite field. Elliot Kichoge has said that he chose to go back to Berlin versus going to a place like New York because he wants to chase the world record again. And he owns the current one at 201 and change from 2018. That also happened in Berlin on what at the time was a little bit of a warmer day. So the conditions look prime for Kipchoge to go for that again. He has stated that's his goal. And I wouldn't doubt him as somebody who has run sub two in the sub two event, run 201 and change for the world record in an open event. So I'm not going to be the one to doubt him, and that'll be fun to watch. We also have, for those American fans out there, Kira D'Amato is actually the number one seed by PRs in this women's field with a PR of 219 change. She set the American record, of course, in Houston earlier this year. She's going to be chasing it again here in Berlin and potentially going for a win, which would be a major result for American fans to watch for. So... Pay attention to that. Now, this one's going to be tricky to watch if you're here in the U.S. because it goes off at 3.15 Eastern time, at least the elites do, which is 9.15 German time. That's 2.15 Central time here in Austin where I'm at. And the streaming is a little bit limited. It looks like you have to stream it, at least in the U.S., via FlowTrack, which is a paid membership. I think it's 30 bucks per month if you're doing it monthly it's cheaper 1250 or so if you're actually if you sign an annual contract 1250 monthly if you do it annually so there's a couple different ways to pay to stream it you can also of course follow along on twitter which is probably what i'll be doing and hopefully checking out a replay later but i'll be up early certainly tracking our athletes that are going to be there and following these elite races which should be fast up front so 
running fans, stay tuned. It's going to be fun to see if there are fireworks on both the men's and the women's fields this weekend. Additionally, before we jump into my topic here, I wanted to thank my sponsors for this episode, Athletic Greens, as well as Zencaster are sponsoring this one. And I'll be talking more about each of those, giving an offer code for them as we go through this episode. So first, let's answer the question at the highest level. Dig into it. Carbo To carbo load or to not carbo load. You've probably heard about the prevailing wisdom, which is that you should carbo load, and that would involve eating a bunch of carbs the night before your race. You've heard about races having pasta dinners and people cramming down rice and other breads and things like that in order to get carbs topped off that night before. That is not carbo loading. That is eating a carb heavy meal or a couple of meals. That isn't actually effective in terms of carbo loading. Now, there are ways to carbo load. There are ways to carbo load, but it actually requires a process that takes from five to seven days, depending on which protocol you follow. So the short answer to the question, if I give you the headline before we even get into the details, is yes, carbo load works if you follow one of those processes, but as a coach, I typically don't recommend it. But as a coach, I typically don't recommend it because yes, you can carbo load. But if you follow the science, that's a process that takes five to seven days to have an impact. It's not a one day or one meal type process. And in order to make that beneficial and to have the impact that you need, again, it takes that time, but also messes with your traditional diet in a way that might leave you feeling weird or out of sorts during race week which is exactly what you don't want. So to me, yes, it works. And I'll talk about the methods that you can potentially use to get it to work if you want to experiment with it. But from my perspective, as someone who has experimented with it in those ways, it is too high risk. It is too complicated. It leaves you open to feeling strange and weird and to changing too much of your nutritional routine in that race week, which could leave you feeling weird or out of sorts or the day that matters for race day. So I generally don't recommend it, but what I will talk about is if you want to try it, how to do it. There's a couple of different methods for that. And then we'll talk about what to do instead if you choose not to follow that path, which again, it's my recommendation that you don't do it as a coach. I think there's too much at stake, too much at risk, and I'm speaking from personal experience here. So let's talk about it. What are the ways that carbo loading works? And before we talk about how it works in terms of process, we need to talk, talk about how it works in terms of the actual physiology. But in general, the body can carry at baseline with normal diet about 90% full, can, can be about 90% full on your glycogen stores. And glycogen is, is simply... The thing you store inside your body that basically gives you that carb source. And when you're running a marathon and when you're racing a marathon, trying to shoot for a personal best, then you're primarily drawing on carbohydrate to fuel that effort. Certainly some of you might burn fat and learning to burn fat is a part of the process of becoming more efficient as a marathoner. But at the end of the day, if you're shooting for a PR, if you're running all out, and the percentage that you're burning from fat is much lower than carbs. And so you have to make sure that you're ready to burn carb, 
which is why we want to store carb well and also why we will take in carbs during the race. And so in, if you're eating a normal diet, typically your body likes to stay around 90% loaded with glycogen. So it leaves a little gap. There's 10% that you can't quite get to under normal methods. And so we have to change our diet to basically get the body to super compensate to, to get that extra 10% of carb in the system so that you can be quote carb loaded. So how does that work? And there's actually processes here that are proven by the science that actually go back quite a way. So this isn't new in the science for endurance events. And it's not really unquestioned if you look at the science. We know it works, but it just requires things that are a bit strange and unusual from a process standpoint. But what are those processes? There's one method, which is called the more commonly known as the depletion method or the Alberg method. Alborg method. This is a method by which you actually deplete your carb stores initially and then load them as you get closer to race day in order to create that super compensation effect. So essentially you starve your body of carbs for a period and then you load it up again so that it can achieve that super compensation or get to 100% carbs. So what is that? What does the Allborg method look like or the depletion method? This is a method by which you might do your last long run, let's say seven days out from your race after that long run, instead of reloading after that long run, you would go into a depletion period where you would eat a high protein, high fat diet, kind of akin to what you might have heard of as the Adkin diets, Adkins diets when that was a crave craze, but basically a low carb, high fat, high protein diet from that final long run until you get through your last workout. And so, for example, I coach a Wednesday morning group and we do Saturday long runs. So if that group was training for a Sunday marathon, they would do their last long run on a Saturday and we would have our last tune-up workout on a Wednesday. So they would do their long run after that, not replenish with carbohydrate, but instead go on a low carb or high fat, high protein diet from that Saturday after the run until after the workout on Wednesday, which typically is a pretty light sharpening type workout. So from that period, Saturday to Wednesday, they would deplete. And then after Wednesday's workout, they would go into for those final three days up until the race, they would go into a carb loading mode where they would eat all the carbs that they could for that period from Wednesday after that workout until Saturday, and then they would race. And so that depletion basically starves the body of carbs and then you overcompensate over those days immediately before the race. And then that allows the body to go from that 90% where it wants to hang out to 100% loaded on carbs. So that's one method uh, of doing it, but it requires depleting your body, perhaps cutting out not perhaps, but actually cutting out a significant number of carbs during that period, going high fat, high protein, and probably significantly messing with how you might feel as a result. Well, there's another method. Some other scientists said, well, that's kind of crazy. That's going to seem risky to go through a depletion phase. But what if instead of that, what if we just super compensated by going really heavily on carbs without that depletion step? And so 
scientists found another method that works, which is basically just requires you to significantly increase your carb intake well beyond what you would normally. So there's a non-depletion method as well, where essentially starting about five days out from your race. So in this case, if you're racing Sunday, this would be on a Tuesday. From Tuesday until Friday, you would, for those four days, eat a very high carb diet. And I'll talk in a minute about what that might look like. And then for that day before the race, you would go into sort of a normal diet and then race. And so that overcompensation for those four days leading up to the race would actually help you get to that 100% level, exceeding that 90% where your body wants to hang out. But what you have to do in that four days is you have to eat eight to 10 grams of carbs per kilogram of body weight in order to get that super compensation effect without depletion. So eight to 10 grams of carbs per kilogram of body weight, which is as someone who has done this personally, a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. So for most people, that could be anywhere from 550 to 700 grams of carbs in a day. And that is really hard to achieve. I've done this method. I haven't done the depletion method, but I have done this non-depletion overcompensation method. I've done this method and it was very, very difficult to get that many carbs in. I was able to do it with Things like eating bagels and putting honey on a lot of things and having sugar cereal and things like that, but it was difficult. So you have to overcompensate starting five days out for four days, then you can eat normally the the day of or the day before, and then you go race. So there's that method, the non-depletion method, which doesn't require changing your diet dramatically, but it does require shifting the mix dramatically to heavily carbs with a very, very high number of grams of carbohydrate in your diet in order to achieve that 100% level versus the 90% where your body wants to hang out. So those are two ways to do it. You can either deplete, starting about seven days out, and then overcompensate, again, starting about four days out, or you can overcompensate starting five days out and then have a normal diet the day before. Both methods require significant changes in your normal diet that may be strange and that may make you feel weird. And the challenge with a high-carb diet is when you make that shift, it can potentially leave you feeling strange. It can cause bloating because carbs also love water, and so they pick up a little bit of water weight that come with them. Then, Then... For me, when I was going through the non-depletion method, I just started to feel in the latter few days of eating that many carbs, I just started to feel a little jittery, a little weird, just having so much carbohydrate and in many cases, the way I was doing it, some unnatural sugar sources. So it just made me feel strange and out of sorts in addition to making me feel a little bit heavy, a little bit bloated. So... Both of those methods work. Both of them allow you to get that extra 10% of carb loading, but they come at a cost that I think is really high, which is significantly changing your diet during race week and potentially making you feel strange and out of of sorts in a week that you want to feel normal. 
because you're already going to be feeling strange. And perhaps somebody called it, uh, who I was talking to today, they called it maranoia, <laughs> marathon paranoia, basically. You're already having the taper insanity that's kicking in and adding to that significant changes in your diet to me adds too much of a level of risk. So as I would say it, yes, the takeaways are, as I said, carbo loading works, but only if you follow one of those two processes, either the depletion method starting about seven days out or the non-depletion overcompensation method starting about five days out. Both require adjustments to your diet that I think are too high risk for most of us. So those are the protocols if you want to try it, but I would say that comes with the warning that do this at your own risk because it could potentially leave you feeling strange. I did it before a race, and while I don't think the carb loading part maybe feels strange, I don't think it affected my race one way or another. I ended up having a pretty good race. The weather was warm, so I didn't necessarily get what I wanted, but I'm actually pretty proud of that result. I don't know whether or not because the weather was warm, the carbo loading actually had a factor in it, but it did make me feel weird. And so it's not something I've replicated again because I don't, I just want to feel as normal as possible during race week. So those are the processes that work, but just know that you have to commit either those five or seven days to doing it in order to actually have the impact. You can't commit to doing it for one meal or one day before the race. That's not going to have the impact that you want. And in fact, it could also leave you feeling weird and strange because you're eating things that you don't normally eat. So if you're going to commit, you got to commit all the way. But if you're not, what's the alternative? I'll talk about that in a second. But first, I wanted to thank one of my partners for the episodes. For the episode, Athletic Greens. been working with them now for over a month, about a month and a half, been taking their product. I was already taking a multivitamin as I was trying to come out of some depleted nutrient states that I had been in last year. And then I got introduced to Athletic Greens through Tina Muir and her friendship with the chief revenue officer at Athletic Greens. So I'm excited to partner with them now. It's a drink, a powder that you mix in water that you drink in the morning. Typically for me, I'll do my workout and then have it before my breakfast. It's tastes good. It's kind of a mild tropical taste, but has all of the micronutrients that you need, all the things you would have in a normal multivitamin, plus probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and a superfood complex that makes sure you get that nutrition that you need to perform. So I've been taking it every morning. You can also, incidentally, if you want, mix it into smoothies if you prefer not to drink it straight. I have a friend that also mixes into oatmeal. So there's a couple of different ways you can do it if you want to play with it. But either way, it works and it's a way to start your day off with all of the things that you need to perform. So go check it out. It costs less than $3 a day, less than a cup of coffee. It's that all-in-one nutritional insurance it's that multivitamin plus that has so much more that, again, will set you up to perform from a running perspective. And I'm feeling really good taking it myself. So here's the offer. If you're interested, they've made it really easy for you. They're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five-year 
five travel packs free with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash running rogue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash running rogue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So check that out. Okay, so back to carbolytics. So again, yes, carbolytics works, but you have to commit to a five to seven day process and be ready to take on the risk that those processes might have with them if you're going to do it. But if you're not going to do it, what do you do? What I recommend is really simple. Do exactly what you're used to doing the day before a long run. Eat the same foods that you would normally eat the night before. Don't worry about carb loading. Certainly don't change your routine. Yes, if you eat pasta normally the night before a long run and that works for you, then do it. Repeat that. But if you don't, if you're normally eating something else, whatever it is, Go with that because you want to stick with foods that your body knows, foods that aren't going to mess with your stomach, and food that are going, foods that are going to leave you ready to, to get up the next morning and feel good without having to worry about what's going on in that belly of yours. So stick to what you know. Eat normal-sized, normal food-containing meals for lunch, for dinner, and get to bed at a reasonable hour because we all know sleep is our best performance enhancer. That's our best recovery tool. So that's what I recommend. Eat just normal things. For me personally, I typically like some chicken and rice type situation, maybe a stir fry with some vegetables and chicken and rice, something really simple, but that sits well with my stomach and I know won't mess with me. I don't personally typically do pasta. I might have some bread or something like that, because that will sit easily in my stomach. But personally, pasta isn't the right thing for me. It messes with me potentially. So I stay away from that, but do get to some other carbs that I would normally eat that sit in that window of things that normally fit for me. So that's what I recommend. Eat normal things and then wake up on race morning and do exactly the same thing. Eat some normal, reasonably sized breakfast an hour and a half to two hours before your event so that you can get the bowels moving, the system moving. And again, something that won't mess with your stomach. Personally, for me, I eat dry cereal actually on race morning. For me, it's sometimes Lucky Charms. I have a weird superstition with eating Lucky Charms on race day, which is what works for me. I can't I can't tell you anything else. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but it does work for me and has been, quote, lucky for me in the past. So that's often what I'll pick up when I'm on the road at a race. But you think about what's going to work for you and whatever it is, make sure you're trying it in training before you actually execute on race day. Don't do anything new, period, the end, because we don't want to have any surprises. So stick with foods you know, both the night before the lunch the day before, as well as on race morning and make sure you practice it so that you can execute it just as you did before a long run. For those that are racing Berlin, it's perhaps too late to decide if that's you and you're listening. But for those that aren't, that have some time, you still have a few long runs perhaps that you can practice, even if they're not your longest long runs, you can still practice a few of those things, both for dinner the night before and breakfast the morning of to make sure that it's not going to mess with you. So that's what I recommend. I recommend keeping it very, very simple. 
do the things that you're used to. Practice them in training, replicate that before the race. And don't worry, if you're not going to follow one of these complicated five to seven day carb loading protocols, don't worry about carbs. Eat normal foods in normal amounts with a normal balance of carbs, proteins, and fats that you know work for you. Period. The end. It's that simple. So there you go. Saving you from a complicated set of worries about carbo loading, perhaps. Okay. Now what I want to do is talk about some other things you can do to start prepping for these races to come, whether you have a marathon or a half marathon. There are there's the mentality that you want to be getting into as you get close to that target race of yours. And so I want to emphasize a few things while you're in this phase where it's time to start to dial in and hone in on race day. So what are some things that you should be thinking about right now? Because it's almost go time for you. First of all, you've got your long runs coming up, whether they be for a half marathon or a full marathon, you're going to be doing some of your longest runs to come for those who have races to come. Maybe you're already in taper, but you still have some longer runs to go. No matter what or where you are in these final weeks in prepping for race day, you want to make sure that these final long runs are essentially dress rehearsals for race day. Your routines, as I talked about with the food, your gear, your paces, you want to be practicing those in some way. And that doesn't mean running all of your long runs in these final weeks at race pace. But it means, at least if you're not in taper yet, to perhaps do some pace work within some of those long runs. Practice race pace a little bit. Practice race pace and some workouts. Make sure you're working that into those final weeks without overdoing it so that you are dialed in on the stuff you're going to wear, the shoes you're going to use, the routines you're going to place around it in terms of food you're going to use the night before, the anti-chafing products, the apparel you're going to wear, all those things. And then, of course, your race pace that you're going to try to shoot for. It's time to dial in, but use these final long runs as opportunities to practice those things. These are your dress rehearsals. So keep that in mind. Another thing I want you to be thinking about is don't add anything new to training right now. I think there is a sometimes a temptation to think that you haven't done enough, that you should be doing more. And we start to get into panic mode. Well, what if I had done this and that? And, you know, you start to think about the things that you'd promise yourself you do, you would do, but you didn't do. And now you're starting to think, well, should I try to squeeze it in now? Will it make a difference? And the answer is if you're anywhere close to race day, and I would say anything within eight weeks of race day, I don't want you changing anything about your routine. Don't add strength now. Don't add yoga now. Do the things that you've been doing. Practice. Continue to practice what got you here and don't change a thing beyond that because it's too late for it to have an impact and it's also going to potentially be disruptive to your training at a time when you're going to be finding the edge in the running aspect and you just don't want anything else to change. And that includes, by the way, not picking up that extra home project yet <laughs> that you have been waiting on or doing that landscaping project that you've been thinking about. Don't do that either. Save all that for after race day. This is not the time to mess with your routine. So that's the second thing I want to mention here. Third thing, and I talked about this in my Seasons of Running podcast a few weeks ago, 
reconnect. You want to reconnect to your purpose for the big day. Remember why you want what you want and make sure that's top of mind for you now. You signed up for a reason. You set these goals for a reason. And now it's time to pull that reason back out and put it right at the top of your brain. And if it needs to be reassessed or honed or refined, do that. But this is the time to remember why you want what you want, because that's going to sustain you when it gets hard on race day. So think about that. Remember it. Reconnect to that purpose. Before we get to number four on this list of prepping for race day, I want to quickly talk about my friends at Zencaster. This is a service that I use to record my remote podcast interviews that basically gets rid of the bandwidth issues that might cause audio issues. You also can record video via Zencaster. It's a great service really for content creators to help record that remote content and do it in a way that's high quality and they won't have the disruption that sometimes you have when your bandwidth connection is a little bit funny. So there's a couple of ways you can work with Zencaster first. You can use their service. So if you want to have the same easy experience I do for all your podcasting and content creating needs, you can go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and enter promo code rogue30. You'll get 30% off your first three months so that you can share your story just like I do. If you like a shortcut on that, you can go to zen.ai forward slash rogue30. Use the promo code rogue30 when you sign up to get that deal. Also, if you're interested in connecting to content creators who use Zencaster and using their platform to share your story as a business or to sponsor, then you can go to zen.ai forward slash running rogue. And then fill out the contact info there and they'll get back to you to potentially sponsor shows like mine. So that's a couple of different ways. Again, that one is zen.ai forward slash running rogue. And thanks again to Zencaster for sponsoring me, supporting the show. Let's talk about number four on my list. Basically, I also want you to, as you hone in on race day, make sure that your mental game is ready to go. And that includes things like visualizing your race from start to finish, thinking about your mantras and how you're going to use those on race day, and also thinking about your race plan and how you're going to execute that. Those are all topics that I've talked about on this show. Visualizing is one that sounds cheesy, but it has high impact. Science actually tells us that by visualizing your race and visualizing what you're going to be doing in your race, it can have a similar effect to actually doing it. So even if you've never run a marathon at a certain time you might be targeting, by visualizing yourself doing it from start to finish and dealing with all the things that might come along the way, you're actually creating in a way neurological and muscle memory that's similar to what you would create if you'd actually already done it. And so then when you go and do it for the first time, it's almost like your body knows what's going on. So visualizing is a powerful tool. Use it. And then also, as a reminder, I recommend two types of mantras and having a couple of any in each category. Rhythm mantras for what you want to tell yourself, that word or phrase or image you want to go to when you're just trying to dial into a race pace find that rhythm, be smooth and relaxed early in a race, in a half marathon or a marathon. And then there are fight mantras. When things get hard, even if you're having a good day and you're trying to get the most out of that race all the way to the finish line, what are the words you're going to tell yourself to fight all the way to the finish? So think about those rhythm mantras and fight mantras and make sure you're ready to bring those to bear on race day. And then think about your race plan. I've talked about that in many episodes in the podcast 
you can always go to runningrogue.libsyn.com and search on the episodes to find episodes on race planning. But you want to make sure you're dialed in on what your plan is. Have a plan, execute the plan so that you can control all the things that you can control. Another thing I would recommend is making sure that when you get to that point, two to three weeks out, that you are tapering, that you're pulling back on volume and intensity to make sure that you are peaked for the day that matters. Highly recommend you check out episode 244 from the main podcast, from this podcast here, where I talk about the taper phase, episode 244. That'll give you all of my tips on how to make sure that you're primed and ready in those final weeks to get your best out of you on race day. And then lastly, I always like to remind people to reflect on the work that's been done, especially through a challenging summer season with hot conditions really all over the country. Reflect back on that training log, look at the work that you've done and remind yourself all the reasons why you can do what you're trying to do because you've done work in tough conditions. You've done work when perhaps you didn't want to do work and all of that leads you to being ready for race day. And so it's a good thing to remind yourself all that you've accomplished already before you even step on that start line to build confidence for that starting line experience. Because as I like to say, there are training results and there's racing results. And in a perfect world, those are happily connected, but oftentimes they're not. So remind yourself of those training wins. Remind yourself of the work that you've done to bring confidence to race day. And we will hope that if you execute the plan and you control all the things that you can control that the outcome will follow doesn't always you're not promised it but if you do all of those things then you're giving yourself a really good chance to get that thing that you want so think about and reflect on your training as well and use that as a confidence booster going to that starting line so those are six final reminders as we summarize here, yes, carb loading works, but only if you follow the five to seven day proto- protocol. And if you're not going to do that or you're worried about how that might make you feel, then just eat the normal things in advance of race day that you would normally eat to keep everything as consistent as possible. And then as you hone in, it's time. Go back and listen to the six things that I recommend to prepare your mind and your body to give yourself the best shot once you hit that starting line. I, for one, will be cheering for you from afar in many cases, but I'm heavily invested in this fall racing season and excited to see what we can do from Berlin and from Berlin and beyond. And if you have a story about how this show has helped you prepare or get a result in any of those races, I would love to hear it. You can always email chris at roguerunning.com. With that, I will wrap this episode. Thanks again to my partners, Athletic Greens and Zencaster for supporting this episode. Good luck to all of you in your fall races. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.